the message I got out of that was I need to change how I do my content. Back then, I didn't really explain everything. I kind of assumed that you came to my videos with some knowledge already. Knowing Better is one of the few channels where I immediately jump in to watch every new video as it comes out. I always come out of that with a deeper understanding of a topic, and tremendously entertained by a weird evolving narrative. But how did this experience came to be? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. When you meet someone new, you know, which is nothing that has happened a lot for the last year or so, but when it happens again, or when it happened in the past, and the conversations about what everyone does for a living comes up. How do you present yourself to people? What do you say is your job? Uh, that really depends on the context of the situation. If I'm talking to like a normie who I don't expect will know too much about YouTube, I'll usually say something like I do online educational videos. And then if they ask more, that's when I'll tell them that I'm a YouTuber. Um, but I usually lead with online educational videos. That way, when I do say YouTuber, they don't assume I'm a, a gamer or a reaction channel. I'm not Logan Paul. I'm not in that vein, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, that's that's typically how I approach that, that situation. So let's head out to the very beginning of the story. And I'm for for the record, I'm very interested in knowing what you're going to share because I know based on your videos and your conversations with you that you have a fantastic and interesting personal history. But how did all of this started? Where were you born? Well, I was raised in Hawaii. Where I was born uh, doesn't necessarily matter since I don't remember any of that. We moved to Hawaii uh, when I was like two because um, my dad was in the Navy. Um, so I grew up in Hawaii. Um, stayed there all the way until I was 18. My dad was uh, in the Navy, so I, I grew up around the military the, my whole life, which which is why uh, I joined the military. Um, I got an ROTC scholarship out of high school, which is um, kind of, it, it's officer training, but at a normal university rather than an academy like West Point or anything. I went into Army ROTC and also joined the National Guard at the same time. Wow. So I was a, uh, a full-time student, college student. I had a job full-time also to pay the bills. And then I was a National Guard, which is one weekend a month and then two weeks in the summer. My life trajectory at that point, I was hoping to be in the Army for 20-something years, do it as a career, uh, and then go be a teacher afterwards. A history teacher in particular, who I really enjoyed. And I was like, I want to be like him, but after I do the military thing. Uh, this was around the beginning of the Iraq war, um, the Operation Iraqi Freedom. So there were a few false uh, alerts on deployments where uh, we would get the alert that we're leaving in three months and then they would cancel it. Uh, and then that happened a few times. And after a while, I just kind of got sick of that and realized, okay, I don't know if I want to do the military as a career for my whole life. Like if I want to be a teacher afterwards, why don't I just do that now? I dropped out of ROTC. Uh, I let, let go of the scholarship and uh, remained in the National Guard because uh, you sign up for a six-year commitment. So I was in that for the six years anyway. Six years? Yeah, yeah six years. Wow. 
<laughs> and I switched my major to uh, social studies education so I could be a, a history teacher, just like the one teacher who I really admired. But then uh, we, we got deployed for real uh, and I went to Iraq. Um, it was near the end. It was 2009 on the tail end of Operation Iraqi Freedom. But I spent a year uh, over there um, doing convoy security. Then I came back after that year. And I was stop lost while I was over there. So what that means is my contract was up. My six years was done, but I was still there and they held me until the end of the deployment. So all told, I was actually in the army for seven and a half years. And then once I got home, I was out immediately. Um, I finished my degree, my social studies education degree. And this was, uh, during the recession. So it, finding a job was quite difficult. This is 2010, 2011 or so. Uh, I bounced around a number of assistant teaching positions and charter schools and such. Eventually got sick of that as well, of having to do a job search every summer, uh, get a temporary one-year contract, and then do it all over again the next year. I went back to college and got a my second bachelor's in psychology. Um, and it was after that, after I graduated with that, uh, that I started my YouTube channel in 2016. Back up a little bit because that, <laughs> that, that, you just summarized like an enormous period of your life very yes. quickly. Yes. <laughs> um, oof, I'm tempted to ask about parts of it that are just unimaginable for, for, for me because I feel the military culture of the U.S. is something that is very foreign and very difficult to understand for someone not born there. It always mm -hmm. appears very alien to me. But I, I, I'm interested in seeing how this uh, twin um, intermingles with your relationship with the internet and your relationship with YouTube. Because before you created a YouTube channel, you must have consumed YouTube content. You must oh, have yes. had a relationship with the platform that sort of cemented and became part of your inspiration. So I guess my next question on that will be, at which point in this whole story that you just told me, did you discover YouTube as a viewer and started consuming stuff there? Uh, so I guess it would be around, well, when I came back from Iraq. So in 2010, 2011 or so, that's when I discovered uh, CGP Grey. Welcome to The Problem with First Past the Post Voting Explained by me, CGP Grey. The royal family has a problem, but this isn't just any royal family. These are the lions, rulers of the jungle since time immemorial. I know a lot of us YouTubers kind of kind of point to him as the inspiration, but he was. Uh, he, was uh, uh, he did history content or government content, uh, which was exactly what I was teaching in my classes. So his uh, first past the post voting, his uh, UK explained. Oh yeah, th those videos. Um, I I saw those very early on. Um, I even emailed him asking for permission to use his videos in class, and he responded saying I could. Like it was one of those like very very early on. This is before like he had a million subs or anything. I discovered him. Uh, Pretty early, I was a few years late to the Vlog Brothers, uh, Hank and John, but I went through and watched all of their content, uh, the whole every day for a year thing. Uh, fell in love with that. Good morning, Hank. It's Tuesday. So my all-time favorite meme is "How do you do, fellow kids?" It's from a scene in the TV show Thirty Rock, in which a then fifty-five-year-old Steve Buscemi dresses up as a high school student and says, "How do you do, fellow kids?" It was while watching that that I thought I could do this. 
if only I had enough time, you know, I'm a full-time teacher and I don't have any of the equipment to do this kind of thing. I feel like I could, if only I had the tools. And I held that for years. Uh, I started watching Kurskasad, Vsauce, Veritasium, like all, all of the kind of the big ones, right? Or at least, well, back then they were the only ones. And I, I watched a lot of them, uh, used their videos in classes when, when I could. And then Crash Course and SciShow when they came around. I was, uh, interested in this from the beginning, I want to say. And, uh, when the opportunity finally presented itself for me to do this, uh, I gave it a shot. And that's what you, uh, what you see now. A lot of people that do YouTube end up in a different place to what they expected their content to be. When you conceive of your channel, was your channel always called Knowing Better? Uh, yes. If we, it, let's back up a little. I graduated um, from my second degree in psychology and I was starting to look for jobs or think about applying to grad school and, and that sort of stuff. I didn't quite know what direction I was headed in. My mentor professor told me that I should start a blog. And I was like, a blog? Nobody reads blogs. Why would I do that? <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do a YouTube channel. What better time than now? I bought a camera. It was a really crappy camera. It was, uh, it was made for stills, not video. So it didn't have an autofocus or anything like that. I was such an amateur, but, and I wrote my first script, which was about gerrymandering, uh, and specifically, what gerrymandering does to political parties, how it drives extremes. And when I was writing the ending to that, I made a G.I. Joe reference of like, I don't know what to do about this, but now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And I was like, you know what? Maybe if I just tweak that a little bit and it's not, and it's not now, you know, and knowing is half the battle, but now you know better. And, and it just stuck. <laughs> I cannot believe that's the origin story. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense when, when you listen to it, but whoa, okay. Uh, that's such a, a powerful brand in the sense that it has remained like just earlier today, I was talking to someone about the importance of having a clear cut definitional content, definitional idea on what your content is. And I, I quoted you as an example, say, hey, you know, you, you think about knowing better and like the name tells you already, gives you a very good idea of what the objective of the video is there. And the fact that it came from that, it's just, it's very intuitive. I like it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I just sort of stumbled onto it and, uh, and it stuck. And over the years, I've kind of uh, regretted that a little bit. Every tweet I make, uh, there's at least two or three people in the replies who say, well, now you know better. Like I hear it all the time and I just, you know, it, it's, it's a, it was a good branding decision, but, but man, sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> so you, you, you know, when you have a good sort of community creating thing, when people are repeating the thing constantly, but they, as you say, it makes social media a little bit unusable because that's all people say. Like, I, I feel you. Oof. Yes. Okay. So I imagine that first video didn't, well, how was the initial reception? Oh, there was none. <laughs> <laughs> so the real question is, not only what happened afterwards, but how much did you have to insist and what did you change or do until you started seeing a little bit of interest from people online? Uh, so it took quite a while. The first 
several videos uh, got nothing. Like I remember putting up that first video and waiting, like watching YouTube analytics and, you know, every, well, back then, uh, when I would get like 10 views an hour, you know, you could see that one blip on the, on the, uh, the chart for views over the last 60 minutes, you like, you'd see it pop up and then slowly move to the left. And I used to like obsessively watch that and just get so excited, but it was very absent. <laughs> I tried posting it on Reddit, my first several videos, really. Um, I posted on Reddit and got almost nothing. So my attitude sort of shifted on what this was going to be. Like this obviously isn't going to be my million dollar career or anything. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use YouTube as a way to keep my mind fresh or uh, keep me thinking about the subject matter until I find a teaching job or until I get into grad school or whatever. So it was really just a way for me to keep working with the subject matter and to have a little fun with it. Uh, back then, the only people who were really watching were me and my friends. Uh, so there's a lot of inside jokes in those. And of course, now looking back, the quality uh, left something to be desired, of course. But I really didn't invest much uh, in terms of money. I had bought the camera. Uh, and I guess I was slowly, you know, uh, getting a better microphone. Uh, getting better lights, figuring out where to put them and stuff. Um, I definitely, I, I didn't learn how to, how to YouTube from watching like a Skillshare video or anything like that. I did it from, uh, trial and error, uh, mostly error. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of the videos from that first year on YouTube are now unlisted because I'm just so embarrassed by uh, you know, there, there are whole scenes where I'm not in focus or half of my face is out of frame. Like it's just looking at it. I'm like, Oh, I should have, you know, watched someone, uh, who knows what they're doing, explain how to do this. But, uh, I eventually found my style. Um, I think, I think in the beginning, or at least that first year, I was trying to be what I thought a YouTuber was. So I was kind of copying or, you know, being inspired by uh, Vsauce or John Green. It took me uh, until my second year, I think, uh, to find my own style. And it was really once I found that, that's when things started happening. So that, that first year I made a video a week and even thinking about doing that now, it would just be insane. There's no way. But also, when I look at those videos, it's a six-minute video about Antarctica. It's a five-minute video about dreams. Like, they were very simple, short videos, and that's how I was able to do them. Also, I was just adapting old lesson plans into YouTube videos. So I would look up the class I taught on learning and memory and pull the bits about dreams out and make a video about it. I wasn't really engaging with new content yet. I was still making videos about stuff that I thought I knew about at least. So just sort of cranking them out there in the beginning. Uh, and then that second year, that's when I sort of developed my own style. Uh, I started 
sitting in front of the couch, which has become kind of uh, part of my brand now. Mm-hmm. This this futon and the and the blue pillows that took me two years to figure out that I could just sit in my living room. That first year, I was trying to film outside. What a disaster that was! You know, trying to <laughs> you know a, a cloud would completely change the lighting setup. Um, I'd have to wait for it to move or, or just deal with the background constantly changing or cars driving by or whatever. It took me a year to get my first thousand subscribers and for me to find my style. And then that second year, that's when, uh, some of my more infamous videos came out, like, uh, the 4K TVs and Columbus and stuff like ah. that. And then you discover the power of being controversial. Just kidding. But those, <laughs> but those videos kind of kind of hit a nerve, right? Yes, yes, uh, they did. But um, also, it, there was a delay, right? So I I made those videos uh, during my second year, and then um, I started to get some traction on Reddit, but like the smaller subreddits, like mealtime videos and political videos and stuff, not the main ones. Mm-hmm. So in that second year, I finally got to 10,000 subscribers. Um, and then it was the third year, uh, when I made playing the victim, the Japanese video about Nanking. Mm-hmm. That's when everything happened. The YouTube algorithm all of a sudden decided that they wanted to show my videos to everybody. You got a proper algorithmic viral hit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, it wasn't even a hit. It was multiple. Like they started showing all of my videos to people. So when controversy uh, struck, as you said, it started with the 4K TVs video um, that seemed to really make a lot of gamers angry. A lot of people <laughs> who who think that they can see a thousand frames a second, you know? Story of my life. <laughs> exactly. So once they found it and they all started making response videos to it, that video was like a year old and I had moved on. I was making videos about, you know, 13 reasons why and um, sovereign citizens and Scientology. Like I wasn't at all interested in engaging with the gamers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, just, just people trying to, just people <laughs> trying to fight you in opinions. Yeah. At this point, they weren't, they weren't even close to the first people um, to say it. They were just, you know, they had just discovered it. Um, and to me, it was a year old and I had already responded to these comments and I, you know, it, so I was like, you guys aren't saying anything new. Yeah. And I just wasn't all that interested. Same goes for a lot of the other uh, responses. They were years after the fact. I'm like, well, not, I'm not really interested in engaging with this topic and giving you the attention that you want. So the third year on YouTube, that's when everything started happening for me. I, that was when I first started going to VidCon and I heard, um, a talk from Jack Conti, uh, the, the CEO of Patreon. Oh, Patreon, yeah. And he said something that really stuck with me. You may have already made the thing that will make you famous. So just keep at it. And it, it might be that the video you made two years ago is the one that will take off, just hasn't yet for whatever reason. Is my words of wisdom, I suppose, borrowed words of wisdom. That is, I mean, partially true in the sense, during a lot of these episodes, it's very often that uh, after years of effort, the algorithm will pick on one video and then that would just elevate the whole channel and recommendations will start coming up 
However, there is a question that is, I guess, a little bit more recent regarding the direction of your content that I am I'm sort of dying to know about. <laughs> when I describe your channel to people, I usually, there's two things that I attach myself to. The first is just really, uh, as you have said, really in-depth explanations of complicated topics so people can understand and know them better. In fact, and I think I have told you this in person, but very often I tell people that I wish we had a, a Spanish knowing better because there's a lot of things politically in systems here that I wish someone could explain to me like that. Mm. But uh, the other element that has been adding up, especially I think from a year and a half ago, is a certain level of uh, narrative complexity, adding all these characters that you embody and that keep making appearances in other videos and actually help communicate your message, which, by the way, I think is a genius thing. And at this point, I, I keep watching a lot of your videos just so I can keep up with that meta narrative of whatever the hell is happening. But I want to know, I remember about a year and a half ago when that started happening, like there was a shift, there was a decision to start yes. adding those elements. And I want to know the story about that. In the beginning, um, I mean, I guess I've always kind of had a few characters here and there, but the first character that people started to, to like was this character I made called Scumbag Knowing Better. Um, and it was just this guy who said all of the really terrible things that I didn't want to say personally. Uh, it was a video about physical attraction. There was research to back this stuff up, but occasionally there was something I just, I was like, I don't want to talk about. <laughs> I, even now, I still have difficulty talking about, like, you know, breast size and stuff. So I made this character, this character who is on purpose, a jerk, just a terrible person. And that person is who said it. Uh, and I, and I thought it was just a gimmick to get me through that one video. But there were, there were constant requests to bring him back. Uh, and I did it like two or three times and, and that just kind of faded away. But then, uh, you know, like the second or third year of my channel, um, I started just dressing up, uh, not necessarily playing characters, but, but dressing up. Uh, and the video that really comes to mind, uh, is the Dante video where I talk about, um, Dante's oh, Inferno yeah. and mm -hmm. stuff. So I dressed up. Okay. There was actually a, an evolution of this. I originally wasn't going to dress up at all. Uh, except for the purgatory character. Um, I bought some burlap potato sacks and I was like, I'm going to dress up in this just for the purgatory bit. And then I realized, well, I should also dress up for the, the hell part and the heaven part. And it kind of ballooned out from there. And then I just kept doing that for other videos. For the men's rights video, I bought a fedora and stuff. And then uh, for the feminism video, I dyed my hair blue, but they weren't necessarily characters. They were just costumes. And I was still myself when I was dressed up. So I had been doing that for a while. But like you said, uh, a year, a year and a half ago, uh, there was definitely a, a shift in the way I do my content. Um, and that's mostly because of a bit of controversy regarding the Columbus video. At this point, uh, my channel was, I don't know, four years old or approaching that. And I had dealt with a few response videos at this point. The 4K TVs and especially the feminism one. Uh, weird mm -hmm. that, that, that the, that's the, that's a topic <laughs> that will get people, people into a fighting mode, isn't it? Yeah. Always. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that the, that the gamers and the anti feminists seem to overlap like that, but, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's fine, I guess. Um, but I had dealt with a few response videos at this point and 
my strategy had just been to ignore them um, because I've learned that watching them would just make me mad. Like I'll want to refute these points, even though the refutation is the video itself. Like they, you know, they watch, they watch the video and then they pause to make some sort of oh yeah off comment and then they keep going and they don't ever acknowledge that I explain that later or anything. So more often than not, my response to some of their claims is watch the video. So I just developed the strategy of, of ignoring them for the most part. But someone made a, a response to the Columbus video that a lot of people were telling me, you have to watch, uh, telling me I have to watch. I, I just made the, the Veterans Day video when this came out. So I was I was uh, admittedly in a in an emotional place because of that. That that video was quite heavy for me. So initially, when the Columbus response came out, I I was like, I'm just not gonna watch this. I'm ignoring it. But it kept going. So I eventually did sit down and watch it. I watched it on my TV because it's actually quite long. And I and I sat there with an open mind. I said, What if I'm wrong? Approach this video as if I'm wrong, and let's see what he has to say. And the majority of what he had to say, I would say is, uh, at least for the purposes of this discussion, uh, irrelevant. There were some corrections in there where I was like, okay, well, yes, that I, I was wrong about this, but it doesn't necessarily change the, the thesis of that video. But really, the message I got out of that was I need to change how I do my content because that Columbus video uh, was one of my earlier ones. I think I had been going for a year and a half at that point. So it's still fairly early, still using the old camera and such. So yeah, very uh, rough, I would say. And back then, I didn't really explain everything. I kind of assumed that you came to my videos with some knowledge already. That Columbus video is itself a response. Like I'm responding to Adam ruins everything and, and people like that. So. I don't go through the entire like Columbus story and correct people along the way. I also, uh, in that video, make a lot of jokes. But since I wasn't dressed up as a character, you know, I didn't change the lighting or anything like that. They didn't land. It, yeah, they didn't. Well, when he cut them anyway, they didn't come off as jokes. They came off as me being a jerk. So that is what it looked like. Uh, and I could see. Uh, someone who isn't familiar with my content or the way I do things watching that video and likewise not seeing the jokes. So I realized I have to change both my narrative approach and my, my visual approach. Um, and I took a month off, uh, and I was at VidCon London. I told a bunch of people about what was going on with my channel and I told people about this project that I wanted to do about running shoes. And almost everybody who I told this running shoes topic or this running shoes idea to told me that it was boring <laughs> and that it wasn't going to work. Um, like nobody wants to watch a video about running shoes. But the whole idea was that it was a metaphor for other things. Mm. At that point, uh, I had just done a video about healthcare and campaign finance, uh, and both of those really tied into this running shoes metaphor. In the 70s, we introduced this new product 
which is in this case, uh, the running shoe and everyone bought it up and everyone got on board with it, but then they started getting injured and tearing tendons and stuff that didn't happen before. Uh, and rather than go back to the way things were, they just invented more things to go on top of it to try and fix it. Uh, and this tracked perfectly, uh, with healthcare, at least in the United States, uh, and campaign finance, where they introduce this new system, our health insurance system or Medicare, and it isn't working for everyone. So they start adding on new stuff, Medicaid, Part D supplement plans, all of these different ways to try and make it work rather than ditch it and go back to the way things were. And I started looking into other topics that were on my list. So at that point, I was also working on climate policy. So Green New Deal, that sort of stuff. Um, the EPA was started in, in the seventies. I did, uh, the post office <laughs> that became an independent corporation in the seventies. Uh, the police and the war on drugs started in 1972. So as I was looking at this running shoe idea, I was like, Oh my God, this, <laughs> this is a perfect metaphor for almost everything <laughs> that, uh, is on my, uh, upcoming topics list. After the advice from several YouTubers about how this metaphor might not work, um, I kind of changed my approach and I just made this video about running shoes. And then I decided every video after that will mirror that one. So climate policy, I say all that changed in 1970. Police, all that changed in 1972. I just kept using that all that changed phrase. And I started with the running shoes video telling the entire narrative rather than just responding to claims like Prager U or anything like that. I told the entire story and then made responses wherever they were appropriate. And I introduced changing the, the light behind me. I have an accent light. Uh, it's usually the teal color, the same as my pillows. And then when I'm playing a character, it switches to orange. And that way there's a visual distinction when I'm playing a character who may be saying something that I don't personally agree with. I think that approach has really uh, worked out quite well. There aren't people making response videos cutting where there's an orange light segment uh, and saying, this is what Knowing Better believes. Uh, so I think it worked out quite well. In fact, I, I believe I have been fascinatedly just listening to you because I believe there's a a masterclass on how to do a certain type of video essay that honestly, just listening through you, there's a lot that I personally could learn about this. So, so to recapitulate really quickly and confirm if I understood this, you figured out that there were ways of using topics like running shoes that people wouldn't know the full story to one, tell a narrative that people will be able to follow through that. And then actually that becomes a, a, a larger way to speak about a larger topic in a way that is more uh, easy to digest without making the whole video about that topic. And then to make that work and that narrative work, you introduce characters that are differentiated through costume and through visual elements in the video in order to create characters that could have a different opinion that you could be able to explore through the narrative. So it's almost like you're creating like a, a Socratic system 
where you're creating, you're having discussions with yourself, but you use that to get people to have a more full understanding of the debate or the 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 whole perspective about the topic you're talking. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this last year uh, was was kind of a was kind of that whole project of all that changed in 1972, and I tried to. Each of these videos that I did after running shoes, I tried to model it in the same way that running shoes was. So uh, I talk about how things were up until the big change. Uh, then I talk about the big change and then I talk about the ways they've kind of modified it since. And I know that sounds very basic, uh, but then I take that narrative and apply it to the post office. Like this is how the post office was from the civil war until 1970. Here's how they changed it. And then here's how they've tried to modify it over the years. There's kind of a three act structure to each of them. And I, and I did that for uh, most of my videos this year. Uh, didn't always work like the Mormons video. Um, that one, there isn't like a massive change. Uh, that I, that you can point to, but I still, uh, it's still a fantastic video. I quote it all the time. <laughs> you quote it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. When, when I talk to, when I try to explain to people now, now it's worth making a question about why this comes up in conversation so often with my friends, but it's probably the most comprehensive version that I have seen of trying to understand something that I have very little personal contact with. Hmm. And I think in that specific example, even though it doesn't have a massive twist, as you point out, just the, the narrative tropes or the narrative elements that you're using through it help the video stick around and be easier to memorize, or at least the main points of it. Now, I wonder like, if this has been your last year project, is uh, what results have you seen from it and what further adjustment or changes are you going to do in the future? What can, what, what can I look forward to? <laughs> well, okay, so the first part of your question, um, what I've noticed is that after every video I put out, people go and watch the old videos with those characters in them. So let's see, it, when I made uh, the Smedley Butler Veterans Day video, there were a few character appearances, like single sentences um, throughout. I've kind of been modeling these characters after like a a split personality kind of like a multiple personality thing well in the mormon video this is like I, I very specifically point this out where um i'm talking to the camera and elder better is sitting just off camera and i change into the frontiersman uh a character i've called katie crockett um and Elder Better points it out. He's like, wait, you, you changed clothes there for a second. What was that? So I, I've kept this trope going where I like glitch into another character to say one sentence. So in the, in the Smedley Butler veterans video, the oil supervisor character pops in to say that uh, Teddy Roosevelt was busting monopolies, that kind of thing. And then I convert back to regular me to go on with the video. And I've noticed that whenever there's a character like that, people will go back and watch the oil video. Uh, they'll go back and watch the police video. So it kind of gives my audience a clue that this is connected to a previous video. 
So if you go watch that video, you'll see the other side of the story. So Smedley Butler specifically, um, after he was in various wars in Central America, uh, he goes to Philadelphia and he becomes the director of public safety. And he's the guy who professionalizes the police department and creates ranks like sergeant, lieutenant, and captain. If you go watch the police militarization video, I talk about the professionalization movement where they got these ranks. So I'm connecting like Smedley Butler is connected to the police militarization video and the oil video, so on and so forth. So people go back to try and figure out what those connections are. As for the second part to your question of uh, what's coming next. So I, I just made that April Fool's video um, where, where yet again, there's a, a major twist or, or shift that happens in 1970. Uh, and I bring that up again. Uh, I start to say all that changed in 1970 and the light changes to orange and I stop it. I'm like, no, we're not doing that joke anymore. It's a dead meme. I don't know if that's true. I'm probably going <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm probably going to keep doing like the characters and stuff. I'm not targeting my content around major shifts in the 1970s anymore. Like I don't want, I don't want to, that's just be what my channel is from now on in future videos. But having the, but, but exactly. That's what I wanted to know. Like if it, it doesn't always have to be that change in the seventies, but the idea of having like a, a center pole thing to center an entire season of videos so far has been tremendously attractive. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I definitely plan on um, continuing to reference old videos and bring old characters back and introduce them into future videos. The, the one I'm working on right now is on segregated education in the United States. Oh boy. I already have a few older characters that will be making cameo appearances. And this one does have a major shift in 1972, but um, that isn't going to be the focus. If it happens to be in there, I'll probably use it. But in all the videos this last year, I was looking for it. I was like, where is <laughs> either I knew it already or I was trying to find it. Uh, where is the connection to Nixon or, or the baby boomers or whatever? So moving forward, um, I'm going to do topics that I am interested in that I've wanted to talk about for a while. And if there is, a 1972 shift i'll point it out but it isn't the focus anymore um, i still intend on like i said doing the characters and and that sort of thing but um i think i think that that big project is kind of over and i'm gonna move on from that well i i really really look forward to how that's going to look because already i think you have provided a lot of interesting things for even professional creators to think about. I think there's 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 a model there to explore, and I, and I look forward to those results. You have given me a lot to think about. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad someone can learn from my experience. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing the story of your channel with me and all these valuable lessons. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to share it. <laughs>